0: Well, good morning. This is January the 16th of 2022. I'm speaking to the congregants of Christ Presbyterian Church Gwinnett and anyone else who's listening. This is Teaching Pastor Bruce McCrae and we are having severe weather in Atlanta from the storm Izzy. We woke up this morning not knowing what we were going to wake up to, and as it turned out, sleet was going to be coming in about 10 o'clock. So we canceled church, and in fact, the sleep did come in, so that was a good decision. So I am here recording my message from home. Last week, we finished our Advent series on Epiphany Sunday, where I talked about giving. Today, on the 16th of January, I'm beginning a new series from the book of Galatians called Live Free. Because the book of Galatians is a book about freedom, the freedom of the gospel of Jesus. It's not freedom to do anything you want, but it is a freedom from the penalty of sin because of the cross of Jesus, and it's freedom to serve God in the power of the Spirit. An excellent summary of the book of Galatians by one commentator is the cross and the Spirit which I think is fantastic. So the book of Galatians is a short book. It's six chapters. But in summary, it is about the cross and the spirit and the implications for our lives. So as we look into this first section, the introduction from Galatians 1, 1 through 5, let me pray for us. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing, we may also obey your will through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let me read to you the primary text today from Galatians 1, 1 1-5. Hear the word of God. Paul, an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. Who raised him from the dead, and all the members of God's family who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, I'm going to begin by telling you something that happened to me about a week and a half ago. It was a little bit of a comedy of errors, but all is well that ends well. It was about 11 o'clock at night, and my wife Katie said, Hey, one of the headlamps is out in my car. She gets up early in the morning to drive in the work in the dark, So it's fairly dangerous to just have one headlight. And it just so happened I happened to have the headlamp in our garage. So she goes to bed. And about 11 o'clock, I go out to change the headlamp. So I open up the hood. And it was dark. And so I get my iPhone. It's a 12 Max Plus. Because basically, I live my whole life out of my iPhone. I don't use any physical books. It's all on Kindle. My whole ministerial library is on there because I just don't like to read books. So basically my entire life is in this phone. Can't live without it. So it has a flashlight. So I'm trying to see the lamp. And so I turn the flashlight on to look at at the headlamp connection. Those things can be a little bit tricky. So it takes me about 10 minutes to get the light. Fixed. I shut the hood. I turn it on. Good to go. So, about midnight, I said, It's time for me to go to bed. Where's my phone? I can't find it anywhere. I'm looking all over the house and I still can't find it. So, I say, Uh oh, I think I know where it might be. So I go back out to her car, I open up the hood, and sure enough, there it is under the hood. Now, in most cases, if you leave your phone inside the engine and you shut the hood, it'll be fine because there'll be plenty of room so that it doesn't hit the phone. Well, I put it right on the edge, and as it turned out, the full force of the heavy hood came landing on the phone. So I look at it, the light's on, I can still see the screen, but the phone is bent. The phone is bent. So I'm punching the screen, and nothing happens. So I'm thinking, oh, great. Now, I didn't freak out, because you know how having a phone works. I just thought, oh, well, get a new one turn it in for nothing, get a new monthly payment, and on we go. But it's frustrating. That was kind of a dumb thing to do. So I order it online. You can't get one in a physical store. So I get it, and I'm just assuming I bring the old phone so they can transfer data. I said, okay, I'll get a new monthly payment. And the good news is... I get a brand new iPhone 13 Max Plus, which is basically the same thing, but an even better phone. The only thing I'm thinking is I don't get a trade-in, which would have been several hundred dollars. So the woman who was waiting on me said, wait a minute, you did a number on this phone. you It's nice and bent, but guess what? The interelectronics." electronics still work. I can send this in. They can fix it. And so not only do you get a new phone, but you actually do get a trade-in value of, wait for it, $800. So my monthly payment gets cut in half. Now, that is what you call Grace. Grace means getting something really good that you don't deserve. In fact, you deserve just the opposite. So not only do I get a new phone out of this, but I actually get an $800 trade in. So I'm getting a brand new and better phone and I'm paying half the monthly payment that I was paying months before. So, maybe you want to go out and smash your phone in your spouse's car and something good like that could happen to you. Well, you see, that's what Galatians is about. It is about the gospel of grace. Grace means getting something from Jesus that you don't deserve, forgiveness, even though you've done nothing to deserve it. In fact, you deserve just the opposite. Galatians is a book about the gospel of grace, resting on it, living out of it, living in the power of Jesus, even though you have no strength to do it and you did nothing to deserve it in the first place. So the book of Galatians is what I call gospel rocket fuel. It is just a powerful shot in six short chapters of what it means to live by the gospel of grace. One of the key theme verses in the book of Galatians comes in a couple of different places. One of them, which we'll look at in a few weeks, comes from Galatians 2.14 where Paul speaks about acting consistently with the truth of the gospel. Or as another translation would put it, Walking in line with the truth of the gospel on a daily basis. The gospel is a path with clear boundaries and at all points from beginning to end, we are to walk on that road within those boundaries. The biggest error that you could possibly fall into is to drift from the gospel And rely on something else for your life, for your acceptance, or for your power. So in Galatians 3, verse 3, Paul puts his finger on this central error where he's just exasperated with the Galatians. And we'll look at this too in a bit. He says, there's only one thing I want to learn from you. Tell me just this one thing. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing what you heard. In other words, you began your Christian faith. You used to be pagans, but you began not by doing anything, but but one simple thing. You believed the gospel. When you believed simultaneously, your sins were forgiven and you received the Holy Spirit. Your penalty was paid off, and you received the life-giving Holy Spirit of God that enables you, by grace, to live in the freedom of love, producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's how you began. That's how you need to continue by living in union with Jesus Christ. So in a sense, the entire summary of your Christian faith is... Your union with Jesus. Union that takes you to the cross for your forgiveness. Union that, that leads you to live by the Spirit, by faith. Now, I just said a lot, but that is the summary of the Christian life, and it's summarized in the book of Galatians. And in my view, if you can understand the teaching of the book of Galatians... You that'll be a frame by which you can understand how to live your Christian life and all of the scriptures, okay? So that's what we're going to dive into. Now, typically, what I do in a message is I will look at a passage of scripture, primarily one, although we'll integrate it with other passages of scripture, which is why we also have an Old Testament reading, a gospel reading and a New Testament reading, we didn't today since I'm doing it from home, but in our worship we do, is at today, what I usually do is take one primary passage of Scripture and bring out its implications and some application. Today I have mainly one application that I'm going to tell you about right up front, and here it is. What I want you to do is read and study the book of Galatians. Try to think about it and absorb it. If you read through it from beginning to end, it's six chapters, it's very dense, it's very packed, but you can probably read through it in 20 or 30 minutes. Get your favorite English translation, NIV, ESV, whatever you like. Read through it and just absorb it. Every verse is packed. There may be some things that you don't understand. So what I want to do today as our primary uh, matter of application in this message is to give you an overview. Those of you who know me know that I love movies. And what I often will do before I watch a movie that I haven't seen is that I will go on IMDB or Rotten Tomatoes and without, no spoiler alerts, but when I'll find the movie and and I'll listen to a reviewer that gives me the big picture of what I'm gonna see. Because very often when you watch a movie, if you don't have the big picture of the arc of the story, you don't know what to do with the details. So for instance, I love the genre of movie that's called film Noir. It was a set of movies that were made in the 1940s and the 1950s, always filmed in black and white. There's always a lot of double crosses, and there's always what you call a femme fatale, the woman who is going to double cross and ruin a man. One of the best... Phil Noir's as a movie called Nightmare Alley. There's a 1950s version that I've seen a long time ago. They just put out a remake, which I haven't seen, which I'm interested to see. So what I'm going to do is watch the old version again, get it in my mind, know all the tropes, see who, what the femme fatale is, who she is, what she does. I'll probably read a review of the new one but not get any idea of what happened, and then I'll know where it's going. This is what I want to do with the book of Galatians. I want to encourage you to read it, but I'm going to give you a big picture, the big narrative arc, so as you read through the six chapters, verse by verse, frame by frame, chapter by chapter, so to speak, you'll have an idea where it's going and what to look for, So that when you read any particular verse you may not totally understand what it's saying because he draws on the Old Testament. There are some complicated things that we'll have to dig into and if you don't understand it yet that's okay. We'll get into it and at some point you will over the next few months as we look at it. But I want to give you the big narrative arc of the book of Galatians so you say okay Six chapters. I get it. Let's dive in. Okay, let me give you the background to the book of Galatians. As you know, the gospel began in Jerusalem, and it began to spread east and west, north and south to the then-known world. The gospel went forth to the Galatian churches. Those are the churches that are northwest of Jerusalem and Palestine. They're above the Mediterranean Sea. And there was a crisis in those churches. They had believed the gospel, but then they began to drift away from it because teachers came in and began to preach what he calls a different gospel. Not that there is one, but they proclaimed that there was. Remember, the word gospel means good news. So a group of teachers came along to these churches, most likely house churches, and they were saying, "Hey, we know that the Apostle Paul preached a good news to you. His good news isn't good news. We've got something that's better, and we're going to tell you about it. And the churches and the Galatian churches and the Christians were being led astray by a false gospel, but that people had portrayed as good news. So Paul writes this letter. And it was likely circulated from house church to house church. Now, what do you do when you write someone? You may be a handwritten letter. (laughs) We don't do many handwritten letters anymore, do we? But if you write an email to someone, normally you have a nice, what's called salutation. Dear so-and-so, I hope you're doing well. This is what I do at Christ Presbyterian Church every week. I send out a weekly email to our congregants, saying what's happening in the life of our church. And I tell them, here's the message that's coming up for Sunday so that you can be thinking about it. But I always send a nice greeting. I say something like, hello, Christ Presbyterian Church. Hope you're doing well. Last week I said, wow, the University of Georgia Bulldogs won the title. Wahoo, that was great. So I give you a very gracious invitation to draw you in Typically, the Apostle Paul has a very gracious opening to all his letters, but in this case, he doesn't. It starts very differently. It's abrupt. He says nothing good about them, but he just gets into it, and he says who he is, Paul, an Apostle. Not from men, nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. A little bit later in the text we're going to be looking in the coming week, he says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. And this is the equivalent of me saying something like this. Hey, I'm in charge here. I'm right. I have something to say to you. You are in a world of hurt. You are fools. You're numbskulls. You're doing something that's going to ruin your life. So listen, I've got a word from God for you. And I'm pounding my desk here. Do I have your attention? I think that just might get your attention. Hello. Yes, I've got your attention. Well, Paul had established a group of churches in the gospel, Jesus plus nothing at all. You receive the gift of forgiveness by faith, and you receive the Spirit as you continue to live by faith. You don't work to get it. You don't work to stay in it. You don't say, I got in freely, but now I have to work to stay. No, it is once and for all through the work of Jesus. Well, some false teachers began to come in and say, Well, I know he preached that good news to you, but we have some better news. You don't just have to rely on Jesus. You can work for it, You can so you can boast about it, and I know that's what you really want. And what they did was they began to preach a different gospel by saying, Oh, sure. You believe in Jesus, that's important. He's good, but he's not quite enough. He'll get you part of the way there, but we're going to tell you what you can do to get yourself the rest of the way so that you can be sure you're in Christ and so that you will know that you're living in a way that's acceptable to him. And the word circumcision comes up a lot circumcision of course was the right that all Jewish males got in the Old Testament and it was important because it was a sign that the Israelites were members of the community of God and the Israelites all the Jewish males on the eighth day would receive the sign of circumcision it's the equivalent of what baptism is for us today But they all got it, and so what these false teachers, and sometimes they call them Judaizers, they basically said, believing in Jesus is great, do it, go for it, but it's not quite enough. You've got to believe in Jesus, but also be circumcised, obey the kosher food laws, and do all the the Jewish customary things And that way, you will know that you're acceptable to God and are living obediently to Him. So those were good things. No problem doing them, but it is a Jesus plus gospel. It would like one of these days, I'm going to preach from Leviticus 16. It is about the Day of Atonement where some goats were sacrificed, where... The high priest would place his hands on the head of a goat. One goat would be killed. Another would be sent away. And it is a beautiful symbol looking forward to Jesus saying the people at that time had to offer bulls and goats to symbolize that they had to be saved by the death of another. And we, we look at the book of Hebrews, for instance, and we see how all of that is fulfilled in Jesus. And so, spiritually, we love that passage because we, we love the finished work of Jesus. But as Christians, we don't go to a temple, place our hands over a goat, and place our sins on the goat and send it off into the desert. That was a pre. Figuring of Jesus, although the spiritual truth is still there. So the equivalent would be, would uh, today, if I were a Judaizer, would be for me to come in and preach next week. Hey, everyone, believe in Jesus, but now we got to go outside and offer some goats and send a goat away across Gwinnett County. And that's how we know that we're accepted. That's kind of silly, but that would be the equivalent today. So Paul is saying, no, don't believe a Jesus plus gospel. Believe Jesus plus nothing. So the question is, well, Paul, how do you, why should we believe you? You preached a gospel. They're preaching a gospel. Why should we listen to what you say as opposed to what they say? Why should we read this version of good use when... We got that version of good news that seems to be just as good. And what's going to happen is that we are going to get into the issue of authority. Why should we believe the revealed gospel in this book and in the scriptures? Why should we believe the good news? Why should anyone believe it? It has to do with the fact that the gospel has been given to us by revelation of God. It isn't just human opinion, but it is a revelation from God himself, revealed first to Paul, but now contained in the revelation of the Holy Scriptures. And so this is why he begins in the very first, first verse by saying Paul, an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. In other words, this isn't just my opinion. No human being sent me. I didn't learn my gospel from any other human being. I didn't learn it from the apostles. I learned it directly from Jesus himself. And Paul calls himself an apostle. Now, as you know, there were twelve apostles that were set apart by Jesus. These were the twelve who followed him, and then Judas Iscariot betrayed him and killed himself, and Matthias was put in as a replacement to get the number back up to twelve. But Paul but an apostle was someone who was an eye witness of the risen Christ. And in Acts chapter 9, there's this amazing story about how Paul is persecuting Christians and Jesus Christ blinds him, meets him on the road, and basically Paul has this vision of the risen Christ. And it was because of this that Paul himself is an apostle who speaks with the authority of Jesus and whose several letters are preserved in the New New Testament as revelation from God. And so he says, this is why you can believe me. I didn't learn this gospel from any other human, didn't learn it from the apostles, didn't learn it from uh, the Jerusalem council, didn't learn it anywhere except from Jesus himself. And that is why you can trust and believe what I'm saying. And we don't know Paul personally, but we have his several letters, the book of Galatians being one, Preserved in Holy Scripture. So as you read the book of Galatians and Romans and 1 Corinthians. That proclaims the gospel as Paul proclaimed it. You can trust it because he received it by revelation from Jesus himself. It wasn't just his opinion. And it wasn't the human opinion of any other human being. But it came by revelation from God himself. So this is why you can trust it. And we'll be talking a little bit more about this in chapter 2. So that is the question of authority. But in big picture, I like to think of three words to describe the book of Galatians. Chapters 1 and 2 speaks of his authority. Chapters 3 and 4 speaks of the work of Christ on the cross. And chapters 5 and 6 deal with life in the Spirit. So there's a bit of nice symmetry there. Chapters 1 and 2, the authority by which Paul speaks it. Chapters 3 and 4, the cross. Chapters 5 and 6, life in the Spirit. So the book of Revelation, sorry, the book of Galatians is a revelation about the cross and the Spirit. Living in union with Christ, by resting on the cross and living by the Spirit. So one application, read through the book. If you would like a commentary on this, I can recommend some. Also, Tim Keller has a great inductive study. I've got the license for it at Christ Presbyterian Church. I'll print it out for you if you want, put it in a notebook. It's a nice little handy study that helps takes you through the Scriptures, and he gives some great commentary on it. But this week, I encourage you to read through the book of Galatians. It is a revelation from Jesus about our union with him, resting on the cross, living by the Spirit. It is not about what you do, but what Jesus has done at the cross and what he is doing in our lives through the work of the Spirit. We cannot add anything. It smashes our human pride. And it leads us to repentance and complete reliance on him for, the, for our acceptance, our forgiveness, and for the power to change. So Galatians is gospel rocket fuel. It is good news. Amen.